Our reading today is Galatians chapter 3. So if you want to turn there with me to Galatians chapter 3, we're going to read the first nine verses. We've been working our way through Galatians. And today we're in the first nine verses, so if you'd turn there. And uh, I'm reading from the New American Standard Version, but follow along in, in whatever version you have. Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? So then, does he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Even so, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are sons of Abraham. The Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, All the nations will be blessed in you. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. All right, pretty simple there. We're in part four of our series, New Paths, today, Outsider, looking at Abraham. And uh, we've been working our way through studying Galatians and looking at the intersection between uh, what we do and what we believe and, and what it means to be a child of God, and that the Galatians had been uh, kind of invaded in a way by teachers from Jerusalem who were saying, if you want to be a good Christ follower, a good God follower, you need to follow the Jewish cultures, the Jewish cultural traditions of circumcision, clean and unclean food, um, observing the Sabbath, all these things that God had set up for Israel, for part of the Jewish culture. God had set these things up. They weren't things that man had come up with. God had come up with them. But they were saying that in order to be a good follower of God, in order to be complete to do it the right way you needed to follow these traditions and paul was saying that's somebody is fooling you that you are being tricked into this this is not true and we've been working our way through this paul's discussion of this showing this draw towards falling back into it being do you live up to the requirements do you are you good enough and that that's not what it means to be right with god so here in Galatians 3, he kind of comes back to where he started the letter, which is with a little bit of, sounds slightly insulting, as he goes, you're being foolish. You're being foolish. You're being tricked. And the first thing you notice, let's, let's go through this. The first thing you notice in verse 1 is that apparently, because he says, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. He's not referring to the, these guys. Remember, this is over in what's now modern-day Turkey. This is Asia Minor. So these guys hadn't been in Jerusalem years ago when Jesus was killed. So they, had, they were not eyewitnesses to the crucifixion. So obviously what happened is they did some sort of like play or whatever where they did a reenactment of demonstrating the crucifixion. That's what he says. We publicly portrayed this. So they did some sort of open air drama one day and they portrayed the crucifixion to help demonstrate it. What does that say for us? 
it shows again that everything that Paul's arguing here is centered on the crucifixion. It's centered on what Jesus did. We talked about this last week with the whole concept of the cross and that the cross is central and it's not a, not a holy relic and it's not a thing of beauty. It's, it's a torture device. It was a, a capital punishment tool and that, that he's centering the whole message of grace around the cross, that it's central. Then he makes an interesting statement that in our culture now, especially if you've grown up around the church, might kind of breeze over you a little because then he talks about, he says, I want to find out, did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing with faith? Now, that question doesn't resonate with us because if you've grown up in the church at all, then you probably were taught that, you know, you asked Jesus, first we say, this is what we say, it's not in the Bible, we talked about that before, ask Jesus into your heart, but you prayed, whatever, and that the Holy Spirit comes and lives in you. And that, that's, the Bible does say that, that the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. So we're kind of used to that concept, but for these guys, that was not how it had ever worked. Because in the Old Testament, the Spirit just didn't indwell every follower of Yahweh, every believer. In fact, the Spirit would come on people at certain times to give them power to do what they needed to do, to be the leader they needed to be or to be the prophet they needed to be. And so what had happened because of that, there had become part of just the Jewish belief system that wasn't in the Bible, but, you know, these things kind of just get added to it. Nobody recognizes that it's been added to it. The Jews had come to believe that in order for you to get a chance at getting the Spirit, because not everybody did, and it kind of happened when it happened, that if your generation wasn't worthy, then nobody in the generation could get the Spirit. And they probably based this a little bit on when Moses was leading the people in the wilderness and the whole generation was bad, and so the whole generation was lost. And so it was kind of like they believed that if the generation was worthy, then you might get the Spirit. So in other words, getting the Spirit was a sign that you guys were getting it right as a group and then as an individual. And so Paul says, now you know better than that, right? Again, because this is not, they're not primarily Jewish, these are primarily Gentile. And he said, how did you get the Spirit? By doing the right things or by just trusting God? Faith. And of course, the answer is obviously by faith, that they didn't get the Spirit because they earned it by doing the right thing, they got it by faith. And that would have been huge for them to understand, oh, so I just get the Spirit, not because I was worthy. And so then he brings that home in verse 3. He says, and so then, if you got the Spirit by faith, if you, your salvation was by faith, are you now being perfected? And remember, the word perfected doesn't mean being made perfect in our English meaning of the word perfect. When you, every time you see perfected in the Bible, when you see perfected in the New Testament, it doesn't mean made without flaw. It means completed. It means being all done. That's a, it's, it's a really poor way to how we use the word perfected. We mean perfect. I'm practically perfect in every way. I think that's Mary Poppins, I think. I don't know. Those of you who know mirror, uh, musicals can tell me later. But I think it's practically perfect in every way. Here, perfected just means you're finished. You're complete. You finished it. You got it done. And here it says, are you now completing your Christian walk by the law or by faith? 
what is perfecting you, what is finishing you. Then verse 4, he says, and you suffered, because remember, coming to Jesus meant being rejected by their culture, both the Roman culture and the Jewish culture, so it didn't matter which you were, you lost by embracing Jesus. It wasn't like, hey, you know, be accepted. It was get rejected. By... He says, so you got persecuted. Did you suffer those things in vain? Was it worthless that you embraced Jesus? Then he says in verse 5, and you experience miracles. Now we hear that, we go, oh wow, that's different from today because we don't see miracles much today. Actually, it wasn't different. They didn't see miracles every day either. We don't see miracles every day. We probably see more miracles than we realize are miracles. Sometimes I think we have too high a standard for what a miracle is because a miracle is just when God does something. And sometimes I think we miss miracles because they're not big, flashy things. But either way, we don't probably see them every day, and they didn't either, but they had witnessed some. Because he says, you, you'd seen some miracles among you. And notice his question again, how did how those miracles happen? Did they happen by the law or because you trusted Jesus? And of course, again, the answer is because they trusted Jesus. So he's showing that everything that had happened in their spiritual lives hadn't come because they'd been so good. Hadn't come because they were obeying the law. So then he brings it all together in verse 6. Verses 6 through 9, he starts talking about Abraham. Which again, doesn't resonate as much with us. But we need to catch what his point here is. The first thing he does is he quotes Genesis 15, 6. Because the Jewish teachers, of course, they taught the law. They taught the Old Testament. This was a favorite text of the Jewish teachers. So he's kind of pulling back that because it's these Jewish teachers that are now upsetting the Galatians, telling the Galatians they're not good enough, that they need to make some additional steps. So he starts with their, those teachers' text, their proof text, which is, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And then he does what I'm doing right now. He took that text and said, let's talk about what it means. What is that saying? Verse 7, he says, well, the first thing you need to understand is, well, actually, verse 6, we need to understand Abraham was a Gentile. You ever think about that? Because before Abraham, there were no Jews. There was no such thing as Jews. There were no Hebrews. What makes a Hebrew? That you're a descendant of? Abraham! <laughs> because God called Abraham out of his culture. He was in Ur of the Chaldees, so he's a Chaldean, a Chaldean. Abraham's not Jewish. He's Gentile, because there is no such thing as Jewish. And God says, I'm going to call you out, and I'm going to turn you into a nation. And so the nation of Israel becomes what? The children of Abraham. But Abraham's not a children of Abraham. He's a Chaldean. And so Paul's point here is, now look at Abraham. What, how did Abraham have favor with God? It wasn't because he was Jewish, because that wasn't a thing. What made Abraham special was he believed God. It wasn't because of his cultural or religious identity. It was because he believed God, and that made him righteous. That's what it, verse 6 says. He was righteous by belief, not by some other standard or way of life. So then he brings that point home in verse 7. He says, therefore, what does it now mean to be a child of Abraham? What does it mean to be one of Abraham's descendants? He goes, it's those who are of faith. 
because that's how Abraham got righteous. Abraham became righteous because he believed God. He goes, and that's what makes you a child of Abraham. Believe God like Abraham did. And then he brings up in verse 8, he says, and listen, the scripture, which of course at that point was all just the Old Testament, he says, and the scripture points to that. Scripture predicted that by saying, all the nations will be blessed because of you. So he, he again is showing that God's favor is not going to be assigned by nationality. That it's not going to be because of Abraham's nationality, even as Abraham becomes a nation by himself. Abraham's descendants become a mighty nation, which they still are to this day. He says, but it's going to be all the nations. God's kingdom is always going to be, and that's Paul's point, that it was always going to be all the nations. That's something important for us to remember now in, in America, that God's program is not national. It's not centered on, an, on any earthly country. On any earthly country. It's all the nations. And he says right here, that's, that's it. God said all nations, and you are like Abraham. So then those who are of faith are blessed with Abraham, the believer. He says, what makes you part of God's people is like Abraham, you trust God. Not because you're a descendant of Abraham biologically or culturally or even religiously, but because you believe God. That's what he says in verse 9. If you have faith, which is just trusting Jesus, trusting God, then you're blessed with Abraham who believed. And that's the whole text. That's 1 through 9. And that's all we're going to cover today. We'll do the second half next week because he's going to talk more about that. And we'll get that here at the end of today. We'll talk about... So let's discuss this because this is really the point because we still, we fall into saved by grace, perfected by law. That's all of us. That's all of you. That's me. That's all of us. That's what we fall into, Right? You get saved by grace. That's not of yourself, it's the gift of God. Not a result of work so no man can boast. I get saved because God loves me. But now, now that I'm saved, how do you grow in your walk with the Lord? Well, how you doing? How you doing? If I walk up to you and say, so how's your walk going? How are you going to evaluate yourself? By how your doing and what you're doing and how well you're doing it. And the more you're doing and the better you're doing and the less bad things you're doing, the better you are spiritually, right? So if you're like just messing up all the time, well, then obviously you're not a very good Christian because what's the sign of a good Christian? You do all the good things. And bad Christians do bad things, and good Christians do good things, and the more good things you do, the stronger you are as a believer. Right? Because what completes you as a believer? Doing the right thing. And Paul's like, really? Is that true? And Paul says, no. But boy, doesn't that, doesn't that what we all fall into? Right now, if I said, how strong is your walk with God today? You would reply, by telling me what you're doing and how well you're doing it. Because we all fall into this. And so righteousness becomes an achievement. Oh, I think I'm doing pretty good. You know, I'm, 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 I'm working on it. I mean, I'm not perfect. But grace is what we fall back into when we're just not perfect enough. You know, like grace is the, 
well, you know, I got a lot of work to do, so I have to lean on grace until I get it right, right? But the sign of my, the perfection of my faith is the ability to get it right. And righteousness becomes something, I got it right. Look, I, I went to church. You know, the other day, I got really mad that I didn't swear. Ooh, gold star. And our Christian life becomes measured by performance rather than trust. How do you measure how your Christian life is going? By how well you're acting. By how well you're achieving. And we all fall into this. Where we measure the perfecting, the completion of our Christian life by the law by our ability to perform. And of course, we all know that that's really hard. Now let's add a second question that Paul asked in here, because this one may trip some of us up too. We can equate experiencing and receiving the Spirit by getting it right. I've seen this in worship a lot, and dear believers and dear friends of mine who are believers, that you want to experience this. Let's, let's use an example, all right? We're going to pray for an illness. All right, so we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Somebody's sick, so we're going to pray for them. We want to see the Spirit come. And then we base on the results on, did we pray well enough, enough, and the right way? And if it didn't happen, what did I do wrong? Right? In fact, sometimes that's even why we, we do the prayer chain. I think the prayer chain is a good thing, so don't hear me wrong. But why do we sometimes want to get so many people praying? Because we feel like if we have enough prayer, then maybe it'll work. As if somehow the more people we have praying, God's like, oh, well, I wasn't going to do anything. But man, you know, the go, instead of go fund me, you have go pray me or go bless me. I don't know. But the, the petition got up over 100,000. So now I'm going to answer it. Because God is, of course, rewarding our performance. And we laugh when I make it sound like that. But that's exactly what we think. We're like, we need more people. You know how many people are praying? Well, you know what the Bible says, how many people you need? The effective prayer of a righteous man. You need one. Because it's not about us, it's about him. But we think that we're going to, if we get it right somehow, and then, oh, you know, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit. Oh, what, what, what does it take to get him here? Well, we've got to have our right attitude, and we've got to be right, and, and do it right, and pray right, and be right. And if we get right enough, then the Spirit will reward us by coming upon us. And he's a, he's a reward for getting it right. And if, if, the, if you get it wrong, then the Spirit's going to go away. To which I say, read Judges. Specifically, Samson. Because Samson is full of the Spirit. And he's a completely ungodly man. Sins all the time. And picks up gates and carries them. And it's not because he's good. It's because God just chose him. Which is what Paul's point is here. But we worry about performing right, praying right. Are we spiritual enough to, to get the Spirit? And when the Spirit shows up, we see the Spirit as a reward for superior standing or performance. You know, so you see someone who's really got the Spirit. Maybe they've got a certain measure of spiritual gift. You're like, oh, wow. Oh, look at the Spirit in them. Oh, wow. 
Man, they, so they must be better, right? Because they've got the Spirit. Because the Spirit's a reward. The Spirit is a sign that the person was worthy. And Paul said here, he said, verse 2, did you receive the Spirit by works of law or just by faith? Was it because you believed in God or because God believed in you? And so we see the Spirit as a reward, not grace. Remember we said last week, if you, if you deserved it, it can't be grace. It cannot be grace if you deserved it because grace, by definition, is undeserved. Anything you deserve is never given to you by grace because it means you earned it. Grace means you didn't earn it. Grace means you didn't deserve it. And by grace, you are saved through faith. So that leads to our nice, uncomfortable questions for today. How are you perfecting, perfecting, meaning completing, your Christian walk, your faith? And I say, how, how, how is your spiritual growth going? How are you progressing in your walk with the Lord? What happens in your head? If for 2022 you said, my resolution for 2022 is I want to become a stronger Christian, which, by the way, I think is an awesome, an awesome resolution. That's a great resolution. I want to be a stronger Christian this year. That's awesome. How? How are you going to accomplish being closer to God this year? I'll tell you what you're probably thinking is, well, because I'm going to start reading my Bible more, and I'm going to start praying more, and I'm going to start, and you've got a whole list of things you're going to do better. And by doing these things better, I'll be close to God. So you see, because we all do, me, me too, the perfecting, the completion of our faith as a work of law, as a work of effort, not a work of faith. So do we see perfecting our faith as greater performance? And when I ask you how you're doing spiritually, does that turn into a performance review? How well you're doing? And of course, here's what we all know. That's exhausting. Because you're constantly, if you're honest, if you're not too self-aware, you can get away with thinking you're doing great. But if you have, the more self-aware you are, the more you're going, oh man, I keep messing up. And, and sometimes you have these victories where for a bit you're like, hey, I got it right. Ah, I finally conquered that. And then suddenly you didn't. And it turns on you. And you're like, I didn't use that. I thought I, I thought I was past that. I haven't, lost, I haven't lost my temper in years. I've, I've, started, I've eaten healthy now all the time. I haven't, I haven't been jealous. And then all of a sudden, poof. What happened? Well, because you're human. And so then, because it's based on your performance, then the verse that Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, becomes kind of questionable to you. Like it doesn't feel easy and light feels really hard because even when I do try, it's just never quite good enough. 
And even when I get some areas right, other areas go wrong, and then I work on those areas, and the first area falls apart. And pretty soon your Christian life is exhausting, disappointing, and frustrating to you. And you say, where's that joy that he talked about? Because I'm just tired. We become spiritually exhausted. And some people just walk away from the faith at that point. Because we see our walk as something that we have to achieve. And so the other option is greater yielding to grace. Greater yielding to grace. Where I say, it's not about my work, it's about his. It's not about what I do, it's about what he did. It is finished. It is finished. How do I get closer to God this year? Be more aware of it is finished. I am right with God, not because I do well, but because he did well. Paul said, I don't have any righteousness of my own. The only hope I have, the only righteousness I have is his. Or to put it another way, ask the question a different way, do you operate as offering and performing more than receiving and reflecting the grace poured out on you? Think about what God has clearly said all through the Bible about how this works. Now, the word offering there, that's not a negative word. We are, I mean, make my life an offering. The Bible says, let your offering be yourself. Consider your bodies an offering, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your spiritual service. So yes, we're supposed to offer ourselves. Here's the problem. Because an offering is good. But do you operate as that offering and that doing is more than receiving and reflecting the grace poured out on you? Because God has made it clear in His Word that it has to start with Him, not with you. We love because He loved us first. Freely you have received, freely give. We rewrite that to freely give and then you will freely receive. But the problem is if you give before you receive, if you've got to love before you're loved, you're going to go dry. You can't sustain that. And so you're going to say, I'm going to try to be good for God, then God will be good to me. And after a while, your ability to be good gets exhausted quick. And then you're left empty because you didn't start by letting Him fill you first. You didn't make sure that you understood that He loved you before you tried to love. You did not freely receive before you tried to freely give. Because we operate as offering and performing is more than receiving and reflecting the grace constantly poured out on us. Because our relationship with God is not based on our ability to please Him at any point. And that's what He said. Why, if you started with faith, are you now thinking that you're going to finish this race by your performance? And that messes with our heads. I don't care how, what tradition you've come out of. Here's what you're supposed to do. 
And if I do well, God will be pleased. And if I do poorly, God will be unhappy. And he said, is that how you receive the blessing of God? No. Now, what do we do? I'm going to be taking a break. I'm preaching one more week. I'm going to take a couple, three weeks off. And we're going to do part two of Galatians where he's going to answer that question more. So you have to wait. But if you don't want to wait, just read Galatians. It's right here. (laughs) You can do it without me. But let's talk a little bit about it today. What does it mean to yield to grace? What does it mean to yield? When you're driving and you come up to a yield, it means let the other guy go, right? That's what yield means. I step back and let the other guy go. All right, so what does it mean to yield to grace? Well, to yield to grace, the first thing I do, because I've got this, you know how I make all my decisions and how you make all your decisions? What, what, why do we make decisions? By what we feel. And those, those feelings, we have needs and desires. And many of them are not wrong in and of themselves. I need food. That's not wrong. If I don't eat, I'll die. So I am hungry because I have a need. So then what do I do? Well, I'm going to fill that need. And so like yesterday, I filled that need. I cooked bacon. It's good food. Now, is that it? Uh, in the Holy Spirit? Well, I don't even need the Holy Spirit. I could just ask a cardiologist. Cardiologists say, that was a dumb meal for a 52-year-old man. I don't even need the Spirit to tell me that. Spirit's like, amen. But I met the need. Why did I meet the need with bacon? Because it tastes good. So what, what makes the decision? Me. Not just my need, but how I choose to meet the need. And what is my natural inclination? To meet the need according to what works for me. Now, to yield says I'm going to actually hold back my choice in favor of something else. What am I yielding to? The grace of God. Well, what does the grace of God come to me? The first commandment, love the Lord your God with all heart, soul, mind, and strength. So when I first, what's, who am I letting go first? God. So that might mean, well, my tendency is I want to get in line now, but I'm going to let God go first. And that's going to change my behavior because I'm letting God go first. And then, then, then who I let go next? Now it's me. I let God go first. Now it's me. No, second commandment's like unto it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now I've got to let my neighbor go. Huh. Who's my neighbor? Pretty much anybody. Might be my spouse. Might be my kids. Might be my parents. Might be my next door neighbor. Might be my coworker. Might be my enemy. Uh, uh, not my enemy. I don't want to let him go ahead of me. Why? Because my needs are more important than his. Ooh, that's what it meant. Oh, crap yield. How do I do that? Well, I'm doing it in grace. I'm yielding to grace. How do I yield to grace? Because I am remembering every day the one who put himself second for me. And that's why he started with, remember, we started this whole thing by showing you the cross. Where God gave himself up for me. And so my day-to-day life is rooted in the one who gave himself up for me. And that fills me with the ability to then give myself up 
but I'm not doing it to earn it. I'm doing it because I got it. My Christian life is playing out its completion, not earning its completion. Because the completion comes from the Lord, not from my ability. And so then as we come together, what are we? We're a bunch of people that say, how's your spiritual walk going? And you say, I'm failing all the time, but I'm trusting the Lord. And we come together as Christians and we encourage one another. The Bible says, spur one another on to love and good deeds. But we do that out of the security of, I am close to the Lord because He died, not because I'm doing so great. And we come together as a community, and that's why we can confess our sins to another because say, oh, I'm a huge failure. I'm a huge failure. And even when I try, I, I, I blow it. And I have to learn, what, to yield in grace because God yielded for me. How do you operate? Do you live your spiritual life? If you decide that for 2022, you're going to grow in your spiritual life, do you understand that that means that every day you're going to remember that it's finished? And that your spiritual life begins and is rooted in, and your standing with God depends solely on not how good you are, but how good He is. And that what gives you confidence to then mess up but keep trying is because he died for you while you were still a sinner. And it's that confidence that fuels our walk. That's what Paul's telling them. Don't let someone tell you you've got to do this in order to gain God's favor. Your favor has come from Christ and it is finished. There's nothing more to do. There's no way to get him to approve of you more, to love you more, because your righteousness is not based on you. It's based on faith and grace. Next week, we're going to finish chapter 3, because he's already pointed out that Abraham was righteous, not because he was Jewish. We're going to see that Abraham also didn't have the law. The law came later. And so... Paul's going to continue this argument, and we're going to see that. And then we're, like I said, I'm going to take a break, and then we're going to come back and see what Paul replaces this kind of thinking with. And I'm really excited for coming into that. But let's pray right now. Father, we so quickly and naturally, we just fall back into, but I need to do this. And we begin to think that by loving others and being good and loving you, that somehow we'll earn something from you. We're looking for the gold star, the approval and we think that being a good Christian means being good when our righteousness is only from you. That we cannot earn anything. And so, Lord, help, help us do that fight because we every day we fall back into it. Every day I fall back into it and feel like a failure because I fail. And then I begin to feel that you are not favorable towards me because I have not earned your favor. When my, my standing in you rests first and foremost and forever in your finished work on the cross. Lord, we know that. That's why we come here. We know that our, 
our ability to please you doesn't exist, but you have declared us pleasurable because you satisfied the law. You satisfied the anger. You satisfied everything and have atoned for our sins. Even those that we're going to do this afternoon. So Lord, may we root our spiritual lives and see our spiritual lives going forward as rooted in your grace and mercy because of your shed blood on the cross. May we live each day focused on what you've done and allow that to begin to play out in our lives. And we'll love others because you loved us first. And we'll give freely because we've been given to freely. Thank you, Father, for such amazing grace. May we root ourselves in that in Jesus' name.